Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Ah, Mr. Cage. How's it going, sir? Hey, it's going great, Kentucky Guy. It's a little bit of a gloomy day in Philadelphia, but uh, but I'm still feeling great. Ah, here in God's country, the beautiful state of Kentucky, it is very, very sunny and very hot. Very hot the last couple of days. Got up in the 90s, so... But, uh, folks, if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter which platform you're listening to us on, we're on all major platforms, including Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on from there. Also, Mr. Cage has another podcast that he co-hosts. Tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, uh, my other podcast is indeed called the Uncaged Voice Podcast. I co-host with Jigsaw Jester and Top Tier Rated. We always talk about a variety of topics related to entertainment, sports, and gaming. So definitely check it out on our official YouTube channel. And if you're into uh, current events, politics, news of this big, beautiful country, anything of that nature, also interesting interviews, I do host the Red Pill Current News Podcast. And uh, we do drop two episodes a week there. We talk about everything from the past to where we, how we've got here. Uh, pretty interesting show. A lot of great feedback here lately. All right. Uh, also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on this show, you can always email us, Donnie or myself, or if you have any questions, at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. Also in the description below is all of our social media including our merch shop, all that good stuff. Follow us. We love the followers. We love emails. We love uh, hearing from you guys. So, definitely. All right. So, we're going to get into my fantasy booking is the first segment. Now it is time for our fantasy booking segment on Against the Matt Wrestling Podcast. So, in this segment... Basically, Mr. Cage picks a wrestler, and I pick a wrestler, and we talk about how, if we were the booker or part of creative, we would have done different with their career, careers in a certain organization. It could be wrestlers from the past or the present. I would say the future, but that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, right? So, <laughs> All right. Also, on emails, folks, I've got about six emails. I'm not going to have time to go over them in this show, but... Last episode, some of you guys are freaking out on me. Last episode was a joke, okay? <laughs> we're, 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 we're not changing the, the the tune of the show. I'm not a baby face. Donnie's not a heel. It was just a joke. We wanted to see if you guys, if you were really paying attention. And by sure golly, a lot of you were. <laughs> and next episode, I will go over and read some of these fantastic emails and i appreciate the participation but uh it is funny man (laughs) i couldn't believe it when i got the first two i was like okay you know that was pretty cool but i think i think we ended up with like six (laughs) one of them was uh he was mad very mad but uh anyways uh mr cage go ahead and start us off all right well my fantasy booking for this week is none other than mr elijah samuel burke yes you remember him right He had a short-lived career in uh, the revived ECW and WWE. Well, that's true. He was a uh, star in WWE for a brief period. 
after making his professional debut in 2003. When he debuted in WWE, he was initially the corner man of former MMA fighter Sylvester Turkai. Oh boy, I remember that gimmick. Eventually, he was moved over to the ECW brand, and after Sylvester Turkai was released from WWE, he was made a part of the New Breed Stable, which also included Matt Stryker, Kevin Thorne, and Marcus Corvon. They actually had a match with the ECW Originals at WrestleMania 23, and Burke would continue appearing on and off with various members of the New Breed before he transitioned fully into a singles competitor. He was actually the last person that Chris Benoit wrestled prior to his death in 2007. So that's an, that's an interesting stat right there. But in May of 2008, Elijah Burke was released from WWE, and he later, in 2009, would make his debut in TNA Wrestling as the Pope D'Angelo De Niro. He would initially feud with wrestlers such as Christopher, Christopher Daniels and Suicide, but eventually he turned face in late 2009, and his biggest claim to fame was winning the eight-card stud tournament in early 2010, which earned him a world title shot at AJ Styles at that year's lockdown pay-per-view. Unfortunately, the Pope D'Angelo De Niro came up short in that match, and I really feel like this is what kind of derailed his momentum in TNA wrestling. Because in the months leading up to that match with AJ Styles, he was really getting over with the fans. His gimmick was getting over because he was finally being allowed to showcase his personality a little bit, which he didn't really get that opportunity in WWE. His character was very unique. He definitely, I always knew he's a good, he was a good worker from his WWE days, but he was once again getting to showcase it. And even though he would get to have matches with a variety of different opponents over the, over the next couple of years, he just never ascended to that main event spot again. Um, he actually was, his contract expired with TNA in January of 2013, he went on to wrestle a bit in OVW, where he actually captured their heavyweight championship. And then he returned to TNA in 2015, but this time it was as a commentator alongside Josh Matthews. He would remain with TNA until 2017, when, when again he announced his departure from the company. Um, he, since that time, has gone on to work for the NWA and he actually was at one point the NWA World Television Champion. He currently wrestles as the uh, as the Pope Elijah Burke. But um, you know, in my opinion, he he was just a very underutilized talent. They definitely could have capitalized on that momentum that he had in early 2010, and unfortunately, they just really didn't give him that shot, which was very disappointing. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Yeah. Um, so. I, I still watch him. Uh, like you mentioned, he's still with the NWA. And he is now, in, at this point in his career, the NWA is actually doing the right thing by him because he's actually uh, commentating more than wrestling. And basically, he's, a, he's great on the mic, always has been. And he's a... Uh, He's kind of where I see Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho finally decides to hang up his boots. I see Chris Jericho uh, becoming a commentator full-time. And I really think that that's where they're working uh, him in. But you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, these guys didn't know what they had. I personally think one of the things that really hurt him uh, was, and it wasn't his fault, but creative in the writing, was with D'Lo Brown when they tried to act like he was taking D'Lo's sons and wife away from him. I don't know if you remember that feud or not, but that really seemed to leave a bad taste in a lot of the fans' mouth. I know this back then. so Yeah, but uh, yeah, good pick. I mean, definitely uh, one of the guys still out there trying to do it. He can still go. I'm not saying he's done. He can still go. He's, still, he's not that old. He can still go, but he needs to... I think I think the way the NWA is doing it with his commentary uh, is good, and I think that's where he's going to end up. So, but yeah, man, good pick. Uh, my fantasy booking this week is none other than 
the bullet, Bob Armstrong. Oh, yeah, what a wrestling family, right? He's Brad Armstrong's dad. He's uh, the road dog, Jesse James's dad in real life. I mean, this guy has had a career like nothing else. Uh, so he, uh, he debuted as a wrestler in 1960, and he adopted the name Bob Armstrong, which is his actual name. No, I'm sorry. That is not his actual name. His actual name is Joseph Melton James. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. His name is... Okay. Anyways, uh, he debuted as Bob Armstrong. By 1966, he had become a popular face in the uh, Savannah, Georgia area. And in the 70, 1970, uh, he ceased working as a firefighter and began focusing on wrestling full-time. So he was, he was known as the Southern Wrestler Gentleman. He was, very, um, he was a very charismatic wrestler. He was the working man wrestler. He reminded you a lot of Dusty Rhodes' gimmick, gimmick, a blue-collar guy who wasn't afraid to fight anybody. Now, he did, he did. He was the most popular wrestler that basically come out of WCW to and NWA to have never held the world title. Here's my question. Why? Why? Because he had he had all the talent. Jack Briscoe, he put over Jack Briscoe, who was the world heavyweight champion for the NWA, several times. Several times. But still, he did not ever hold that title. Now, he's semi-retirement uh, in 1988. In addition to making... He went on the independent circuit just a little bit. Uh, he acted as... He was the commissioner of Smoky Mountain Wrestling for a while. Uh, he was the United States Wrestling Association. He'd done it all. Bunkhouse Buck. Uh, he was a part of it. On December uh, 12th of 20, 2001, he teamed with Dusty Rhodes, Larry Zabisco, and they defeated uh, Barry Windham and Ron Reese and Steve Lawler at a turnbuckle championship wrestling match. And then something that kind of caught me off guard, I didn't know happened. I don't remember this. But he showed, he was on TNA Wrestling, uh, <laughs> which shocked me. I didn't know he was ever on there. He was on there with Jackie Fargo and Harley Race and Dory Funk Jr. And then he was also on there. In August the 14th at a pay-per-view. He was introduced as an on-screen authority figure and informed Jeff Jarrett that he would face a mystery opponent one week later. And that mystery opponent was the Masked Bullet, a masked wrestler who imitated uh, Armstrong's alter ego. Now, Armstrong did was the Masked Bullet for a while because he, got, he had to have an operation on his face and it was defigured. And he just didn't want to step in the ring like that. Also in uh, 2005 in December, he was on Impact again. Uh, he was congratulating the four live crew on their unity. However, on December 11th of 2005, the four live, uh, four live crew with Goldman betrayed its members and turned on Armstrong. So anyways, he was in... Let's go over a couple things real quick. He was the heavyweight champion for the NWA Southern Florida Division. He was the world tag team champions with Steve Armstrong on Global Championship Wrestling. Mid-South Wrestling in Georgia, he was the heavyweight champion four times. He was the tag team champion four times. He was television champion two times. He was the uh, Mackin heavyweight champion three times. And the Southern Heavyweight Champion one time. Okay, so you're like, well, why are you reading all these? Because he never was a champion in the WCW of any sort. Why? His career wasn't over when he was with them. He had some amazing feuds against some very big talent. Wrestling number two, uh, Big John Studd. I mean, the list goes on. Dusty Rhodes. They had a feud. And he was such a good wrestler and to never hold a title in WCW, WWE. By the way, he never worked for the WWE. I don't know why, but 
in 2011, Vince McMahon actually inducted Bob the Bullet Armstrong into the WWE Hall of Fame. WCW, do you think this might be another clue why you're out of business? Why would you not put a title on this guy? He had to look. He had to, definitely had the fan following. I don't get it. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, truth be told, when I got into wrestling, which was in the early 90s, um, I had already kind of missed the boat on Bob Armstrong's career, so a lot of stuff that I've read about him was in retrospect. Obviously, I'm very familiar with a lot of his son's work, whether it's Brad Armstrong, the Road Dog, Stephen Scott Armstrong. Um, but, you know, I know that he was immensely popular, especially in the 70s, and seems like a guy that would have been an easy fit to be a world champion at some point with, with the NWA especially. Definitely a guy that Vince McMahon Sr. could have brought into the company, to the WWF, to, to at least challenge for the world title or something. Cause I'm, I'm, but, you know, but you know, that didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, he's one of those big question marks. It's like, why did this guy never win a world title in the main company that he worked for? I mean, obviously he won championships elsewhere, but why didn't they utilize him better? It's a, bit, it's a good question, honestly, and I don't have an answer for it, unfortunately, but it's a good pick. All right. So let's, uh, let's shake it up a little bit this episode. Before we get into the headlines, let's go over Dynamite results. And then we'll actually, you know what, we'll actually do SmackDown results after that. All right, let's see. Dynamite results. We had Adam Cole teaming with his girlfriend, Britt Baker, versus Chris Jericho, the GOAT, and Sierra. And your winner, Adam Cole and Britt Baker. So this match here, um, I don't have a whole lot. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. I mean, we've seen this match. We've seen this feud. I was hoping it was over with, a double or nothing. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I, they don't have my buy-in on this match. I just didn't care. And I like Adam Cole, and I love Chris Jericho. It's just these intergender matches, I don't know, they get boring after a while. And you really, you know, AEW and WWE is the, are the only two wrestling organizations that I know of where the guy can't wrestle the girl. New Japan, girls fight guys all the time. Even in Impact, girls fight guys all the time. I, I, I don't get it why they're co- still keeping the superstars separated. I mean, you have uh, uh, Nyla Rose. That's a guy. You can put a wig on her, call her Nyla all you want to. It's a dude. So what's the difference? I don't know. Uh, then the next match was Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen versus Gates of Agony. Me, personally, uh, the winners, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen. I have to be honest. Gates of Agony won this match, hands down. They controlled it all the way through. And there's no reason why these two should not have got the victory. Gates of Agony are future, future world tag team champions if AEW plays their cards right with these guys. These guys are amazing. And once again, they impressed me. Uh, your thoughts on those two matches? I feel like the only reason they gave the victory to Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen is because they're more like full-time AEW stars, whereas the Gates of Agony are kind of more prominently featured on Ring of Honor. Even though we've seen that crossover between the two companies many, many times. So, I mean, they could have definitely benefited from a victory here, the Gates of Agony. And I, and I agree with you, Kentucky guy. I think they probably should have been booked to win, but I'm not really surprised at the, at the end result here. Um, <clears throat> all I really have to say about that match. Um, you know, as far as the intergender tag team match, I feel like it would have been a good time here for Chris Jericho and Soraya to get the, to sort of get their heat back and win, and win this matchup. Because in the grand scheme of storytelling, it, it'll, it, it advances the story by having them win, especially with how the Adam Cole-Chris Jericho match ended at Double or Nothing. But, uh, they give it to Adam Cole and Britt Baker. Um, I mean, I will say the highlight for me was the part where uh, Chris Jericho was locked in a submission and Britt Baker came in and uh, she put her <laughs> she put her gloves on and put him in the lockjaw. So that was a little bit of a highlight for me. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, 
I don't know if I would have booked. Uh, I would have booked Adam Cole and Britt Baker to win this particular match. Uh, so, what are your thoughts about uh, AEW not allowing the men and women to fight each other like ninety percent of other promotions do? At the end of the day, it's scripted television, regardless of what you, of what of, of how you look at it. So, if we were to see more men and women every now and then um, exchange some blows in the ring. Um, I don't really see a problem with it, personally. One of the best matches I seen last year was Matt Cardona versus a woman on Impact. I can't, and I hate to say this, I cannot think of her name, but she was the internet champion or something like that. <laughs> Some kind of weird belt. And Matt Cardona won the match and took the title from her, but that was a heck of a match. They both put up. So it's back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was the digital media championship. Yeah. Yeah. You remember who she was? <sighs> I'd have to look it up. I don't remember which particular. Re- I, I I mean, I've heard of her. I just I can't remember. The name's not on the tip of my tongue right now. Yeah. She became the knockout champion for a while after that. Was it but Jordan Grace, maybe? That's it. That's yep, it. It was Jordan Grace. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And that I thought that match. Did you see that match? I thought it was great. I have not actually seen the match, but, uh, but I'm not surprised to hear that. And then we had the uh, TBS Championship Open Challenge match. We had Chris Stanlander, current champion, versus Nyla Rose, a guy. And your winner and still champion, Chris Statlander. This match here, I could care less, to be honest with you. There was nothing, nothing was going to change here. You're not going to have Chris Statlander come back from injury, win the title, and end a huge win streak on Jade Cargill, and then turn around and lose the belt to Nyla Rose, already knew what was going to happen. Here's the one thing that I think is funny, and this is where Tony Khan is playing into, he's acting just like Triple H and Vince McMahon. They think that we have wrestling amnesia. Like, we don't remember before Chris Statlander got hurt, she was losing every single match. Every single one. So, okay, bring her out, act like she's a big star and undefeated and blah, 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 but we're not stupid. We had a trios match, Lucha Brothers teamed with Bandito. Now, there you go. That's who Bandito should be teamed with. He should not be teamed with the Best Friends or Orange Cassidy. The Lucha Brothers and Bandito, a very, very good uh, combination there. And they did well. They did fight against the Blackpool Combat Club. This was a great match. Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club did win the match. However, however, uh, Lucha Brothers and Bandito, several times during the match, I thought they had it sold up. And Willer Yuta, he's getting a push right now. Daniel Bryanson, or Brian Danielson, could not stop talking about him. He was doing commentary. So they're definitely looking to either push him or they're setting him up to turn on him. I don't know. I've seen it go both ways in the past. But Lucha Brothers and Mandino, they lost the match, but actually in my mind, they won. They just didn't get the one, two, three because they were, they took them to the limit. Uh, your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, the six-man tag, very good matchup. I especially loved Bandito's uh, stalling suplex at one point in the match, showing his uh, strength. Um, so this was a solid matchup. And yeah, I agree. If they want to make Wheeler Yuta look like a star, feature it, uh, you know, um, you know, featuring him so prominently in this match is a smart is a smart way to go. And they could go a couple of different directions in the storyline. Kentucky guy, he might just he might remain a member of the Blackpool Combat Club, or they could turn on him at some point. Could go either way. And the CBS Championship match, uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion. Figured that Chris Statlander was going to retain her title. No surprise there. Then we had a triple threat match. Trent Beretta versus Big Bill. Big, you know, Big Bill is one of those guys that you're really wondering what the heck he's doing because he was on a roll in Impact. And then he comes to AEW and Ring of Honor, and he's nothing. He's just putting everybody over. Uh, anyways, it was Trent Beretta versus Big Bill versus Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland is your winner. I thought this was an okay match. I thought that um, 
I thought they really could have got a, a better opponent than Trent Beretta in this match. Uh, Big Bill, he looked good. He just, you know, he always loses, though. So Swerve won, and his uh, the one, one part that I liked was his team that he leads was out there to support him, uh, but they didn't go all the way to the ring with him. I thought it was pretty cool. Like, here, you know, you're the leader. You go win it on your own. And he did. And then we had, finally, we heard from Don Callis and Hansu Takshida. They did a small promo. Eh, it was, uh, it, you know, he did let on like he's going to build a new faction. So that should be interesting to see what he does there. But I wasn't, I wasn't really impressed. And then you got uh, Takshida speaking on the mic, and who knows what he's saying. <laughs> so I don't know. And Kenny Omega... Uh, Adam Page said he's mad. He's so mad he went out of the country, but not to Canada. So I'm just wondering if he's in Japan wrestling doing something. And then uh, to wrap things up, we had Tony Khan talked about once again promoting AEW Collision. And this is the first time on television ever, not ever, but in a long, long time, Tony Khan mentioned CM Punk's name and being a part of AEW Collision. Collision. So, there you go. There's no more speculation, no more dirt sheets, no more rumors. CM Punk will be on AEW Collision. We've said it for weeks now. Here he comes. Hope you're happy with your decision. Uh, your thoughts on those items, sir? Yeah, again, the triple threat match was okay, but I felt like there wasn't really much of a build-up to it. Um, Big Bill could have definitely benefited from winning this match. Um, I'm okay with Swerve Strickland winning, but Big Bill could have really used uh, could have really used a win here. Um, you know the whole Don Callis angle with Kanosuke Takeshida. Maybe Don Callis is going to be building a stable of Japanese wrestlers to go up against the elite. Uh, maybe some up and comers. Who knows? It's it's certainly a possibility. I'm kind of intrigued to see where that goes, but. We're still a ways off, I think, from getting some definitive answers there. Um, and the collision announcement. Um, we, well, we knew it was coming because pretty much the dirt sheets had all but 100% confirmed it. And I know one of our stories today, uh, one of our yeah, one of our headlines ties into collision. So I'm not shocked that Tony Khan officially made this announcement. It is what it is at this point. We're going to see what happens. Yep, yep, yep. I just... Uh... You know, uh, there's an old saying that that comes to mind, and uh, this has nothing to do with me or you because I know we weren't wishing it. But be careful what you wish for. I've seen the emails. I know there's a lot of CM Punk fans out there. I get it. I do. I get it. But I'm just wondering how many of you are over the age of 18. <laughs> so, anyways, let's move on to SmackDown results. So they had, finally we hear, this is the first time we hear from the Bloodline since Jimmy Uso super kicked Roman Reigns in the face twice, twice at the last pay-per-view. Night of Champions. And this was a uh, Roman Reigns' 1,000 days celebration. So it started off pretty cool. Triple H comes out there. Brand new title made for Roman Reigns. Brand new, so he can retire the other two uh, titles, and he has this beautiful, beautiful title now, the undisputed heavyweight title, universal title. And the Usos, who were supposed to be barred from the building, show up and interrupt this ceremony. And I love how Triple H just kind of disappeared. He does not get involved at all anymore in the actual wrestling. And we know, I mean, I know he's he's had sickness and stuff, but you wouldn't have got Vince McMahon out of there that quick. I loved how he just bowed out. And he, Triple H back in the day wouldn't have done this. And I love that he's doing it now. He's more mature and he's got it. He under he gets it. We don't want to see him wrestle. Do you know, do your creative stuff now. And that's what he did. He just bowed out, disappeared. Didn't make a didn't make it about him whatsoever. I thought that was really cool. So, the Usos come in there. Roman Reigns is, is mad, of course, telling him that they cost him his tag team titles. 
And Jimmy Uso steps up right to his cousin and tells him. And then Sequoia looks like he chose Jay and Jimmy because he stands over there. He stands over there, but his arms are still crossed. He still looks mad, but he does say, there are my brothers. And then Jimmy sits there and he implores Reigns to continue running atop of the WWE mountain as the bloodline. Begs him. But they all got to work together, not just be about him. Jimmy then embraced Roman Reigns. They hugged. As soon as the hug was over with, though, lo and behold, I knew it. I knew it was coming. Solo Sequoia, boom, lays him out. Lays him out. Paul Heyman yells, what about Jay? And Roman yells right back. Jay's going to do what he always does, fall in line. And that was as the camera went to the right-hand man holding his fallen brother in his arms. And I thought that was the way to go off the air right there. I thought that was cool. Very, very cool. I know that's a lot to unpack, so I won't move on to anything else. I'll let you talk about the title and the celebration. But I don't know what's next. And this story... Just got heck of a more interesting to me after last night. Your thought? Well, I'll tell you what, Kentucky guy. For any other, we always talk about how impatient uh, wrestling fans are and how we don't like to let things simmer for too long. There's a difference though between letting things simmer and simply like drawing things out to the point where you don't get any answers. If this was a Bray Wyatt storyline, it would be going on for months and months and months, and we would never get any answers. Or whatever answers we did get would make no sense. This storyline keeps dropping all these new twists and turns to the point where we, the audience, are still guessing. But the difference is we know we're going to get an answer eventually. We know there's going to be some sort of payoff. We just have to be patient. So I am totally okay with them always adding new wrinkles to this storyline and making you question who's going to be loyal to who. Is Solo going to stand by Roman Reigns? Is Jay going to fall in line and remain loyal to the bloodline, or is he going to side with his brother Jimmy? We don't know. Um, but, it, but, but it's great storytelling on the part of, the, of, 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 of not just the writers, but the performers as well. And also, I think the new Undisputed Universal title looks really good. Yep, yep, I agree. And then we had a Money in a Bank qualifying match, Montez Ford. Uh, he went against L.A. Knight. And now, to join Sensei Nakamura in the Money of the Bank so far, L.A. Knight was your winner. That was the right guy to win. If you're going to keep the Street Profits as a team... Yeah, would I like to see Montez Ford in this match? Absolutely, but I really want to see L.A. Knight in the match. My money's on L.A. Knight to actually win the Money in the Bank this year. And then we had another Money in the Bank qualifying match. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It was... It was Zelina Vega versus Lacey Evans. Let's bring Lacey Evans right back and have her lose this match against Zelina Vega. And Zelina Vega gets on her and says, she almost won against Rhea Ripley. She didn't almost win that match. Anybody with eyes can tell you that that match, when Rhea Ripley was done, the match was over. Crazy. But Zelina Vega is going into Money Bank. For the love of God, don't do a Nikki Cross or Liv Morgan Money in the Bank. Let's do a real winner in this female division. We haven't had one in two years. Let's do, let's do it right this year. Your thoughts on those matches? Well, as far as the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, I agree. They booked the right guy to win this match. Um, LA Knight's on a roll right now. He's really over with the fans. It only makes sense to have him win here and make it into that Money in the Bank ladder match. And yeah, right now, uh, you know, based on a lot of uh, what I've read, he is potentially the favorite to win that match, which I'd be okay with if he ended up claiming that briefcase. Montez Ford, though, still put on a good match, and I have no doubt that he is going to become a single star in the future. I hope it's sooner rather than later, but 
I understand him putting L.A. Knight over here, and I'm not upset about it. Um, the women's qualifying match, on the other hand, didn't make a whole lot of sense. And this is not because I dislike Zelina Vega. I'm all for giving a talented uh, female wrestler an opportunity, but I am so frustrated with the way that they booked Lacey Evans, because Lacey Evans in my opinion, is one of the most underutilized females on the roster. First of all, they can never settle on a proper gimmick for her. Um, and then when they do settle on a gimmick, they can never decide if she's a face or a heel. And she'll win a couple of matches, and then she'll go on a big losing streak. Then she'll disappear from TV. She'll come back with a new gimmick, and then she'll lose again. I mean, I just, I don't know, the Kentucky guy. I kind of feel like, Lacey Evans is one of those talents who, in my opinion, would flourish in another promotion, whether it's, um, you know, Impact or MLW or even over in New Japan, because I just, I mean, they're not utilizing her well in WWE, unfortunately. Yeah, and just leave her as a heel. She's better as a heel. That's what the crowd wants her to be. So just, just leave it alone and just let her be a heel. Uh, but yeah, you're right when it comes to Lacey Evans. It's just... Uh, well, like I said, they brought her back to lose again. It, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, we had a six-man tag team match, Brawling Brutes versus uh, Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly. Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly actually won the match. However, I still think after watching this match and watching it closely, I think Sheamus is your next United States champion. I don't know why, but I think he is. I just have that feeling. Uh, and then we had the OC, which which was uh, the brothers, versus Hit Row. <laughs> of course, the OC won, uh, and the Good Brothers came out on top. Uh, I don't... Uh, the best part of that match was uh, JJ Styles coming off and hitting the phenomenal uh, elbow at the end. I thought it was great. But anyways, uh, don't know why. I, I could care less about this match. I would have been ticked off if Hit Row would have won, but I could care less. Uh, the right people won. Get a Hit Row off in our television sets. Come on, it's been a year now almost. but It's not going to work. It's not happening. Your thoughts? Yeah, the um, six-man tag team match, um, Brawling Brutes uh, against Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly. Good match overall, I would say. Everybody looked good in this. I think it went a little long. I think they could have... Uh, cut a couple of minutes from this match, but overall, I think for an episode of SmackDown, the right team won. But I agree with you, Kentucky guy. They seem like they're building Sheamus up as the next possible U.S. champ, and I'd be totally okay with that, honestly. Austin Theory's had the belt for a little while now. You've got to change it up every now and then. Um, I'm so glad that the OC just made an absolute embarrassment out of Hit Row, because Hit Row has worn out their welcome on our TV. Um, I don't even think they, they're good enough for NXT right now, to be perfectly honest. So why AJ and the Good Brothers and even Mia Yim have to waste their time uh, in a mini-feud with Hit Row, I have no idea. But at least the right team went over. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about the NXT statement because they, uh, they lost their leader, man, Swerve Strickland, and they haven't put anybody back in his place. That's a mistake. That's a big mistake because you have nobody there. The most charismatic person you have on that team with charisma is the female. And she don't even wrestle really. So, yeah. All right, so let's move on to our next segment. Time for today's wrestling headlines in this episode. Wrestling news and rumors around the water cooler segment. And that's going to be headlines and rumors around the water cooler. And uh, the first two headlines, I'll give them all to you, Mr. Cage. Thank you, Kentucky guy. Conrad Thompson explains why Ric Flair, woo, hasn't done a new podcast in over a month. Ric Flair hasn't had a new podcast in a little over a month. In place of new shows, some classic interviews were updated from the early days of the Woo Nation podcast. Thompson said... 
He wanted to be low-key until the Emmys happened. He thought there was a real opportunity for him to perhaps win the sports Emmy, and he wanted to not be controversial and sort of be low-key and low-profile until that happened. I actually admire Ric Flair for showing that restraint. As you probably saw last night, he did not win. We have actually arranged an interview, a very special interview. We normally do guests, but we're doing one next week. It will be back next week with a special guest. I think he just wanted to take that Emmy business very seriously. Unfortunately, he didn't win, so that's the scoop. Now, um, it says here, WWE and Peacock's Ric Flair documentary was nominated for a Sports Emmy Award. I have not had a chance to watch that documentary yet. Have you, Kentucky guy? Yes, I have, and uh, you're missing out. I, I definitely got to check it out, because the thing was, I watched the ESPN E360 um documentary on Ric Flair several years back, and that was great. So if this is as good or better than that, then, I, then I've definitely got to check it out. Uh, it's I've, I've Go ahead. Sorry, I've seen them both, and it, this one's better. Wow. That's a, that's, that's a big... Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's something right there, because uh, I, I'm never going to forget that famous story from the E360 or E60 documentary where Ric Flair went to a sports psychologist, and the guy said to him, how much do you drink? And he said... I have about 10 beers and five mixed drinks. He said, well, how often is that? Every day. I work every day. That was great. And I really think Ric Flair probably should have won this Emmy. I'm not a big Emmys guy or awards. Like, I don't watch that. But this documentary, there's nothing else like it out there. Talks about the plane crash. I mean, a lot of interesting things in this that you can't just search on the Internet and find anywhere. That's why I really like it. So, uh, all right, sir, you got the next one? All right. Well, I uh, alluded to this a little earlier. CM Punk and Ace Steel set to be heavily involved in AEW Collision Creative. Let's add the wah, 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 wah. CM Punk's return to All Elite Wrestling will happen on Collision's premiere episode, which will take place at the United Center in Chicago on June 17th, because of course it will. AEW will need to hit a grand slam with the premiere episode to set the tone for the future of the show since it's being built around the former AEW world champ. The company confirmed Punk's return on Wednesday's Dynamite, as we mentioned earlier, several months after reports started to come out that he was on his way back, only for the announcement of Punk's return to be held up due to the status of Ace Steel. Steel will work remotely at collision shows to prevent issues between him and talent. We heard about that a little while back. Dave Meltzer reported that the pair will have an involvement on the creative side of the show. It should be noted that all of the top talent in AEW has a strong say in what they do creatively on television. Meltzer wrote, the belief is that Punk and Ace Steel will be heavily involved in the creative of the show, at least they will be for Punk stuff, and the main angles and storyline on the show will revolve around him and obviously he'll have great input into that. The one thing I will say about AEW Collision is that there's one talent in AEW that was announced to be a part of Collision who has a long history with CM Punk back from their days in Ring of Honor, and that's Samoa Joe, who is the current Ring of Honor television champion. I personally wouldn't mind seeing the two of them throw down one more time as, a, as kind of a... You know, because of all the history between the two of them and Ring of Honor. I mean, they had that, that, that famous trilogy of matches back in the day. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see who Punk feuds with on Collision. Because right now, the AEW world champ is MJF. And as far as I know, he's still going to be a part of Dynamite. He's not going to be a part of Collision. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. We, we already know that. We, we knew this already. Uh... You know, we talked about it, talked about it. Finally, Tony Khan mentions his name. So, yeah, you know, I mean, let's just wait and see what happens. I, I'm really, I, I think we've talked way about <laughs> about CM Punk way too much. Can't stand the guy. Will I watch Collision? Of course I will. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm going to see what it is, what kind of product it is. But will I watch it every single week? That's yet to be seen. Depends on how big of a part they're really going to give this guy in this. Okay, so I've got the next headline. 
Uh, WWE star teases reunion of major faction. WWE may be, re, uh, may be reuniting another faction after bringing back the way. The group that could be the, oh man, we've heard this before and then we heard it wasn't happening. I don't know. The group could be the Hurt Business, something that has been teased on social media and television on and off for several months. Okay, I'm glad they at least told the truth about that. WWE broke up the Hurt Business, a group that featured Bobby Lashley, MVP Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin in early 2021. Despite finding success in the COVID-19 pandemic, MVP and Lashley have publicly talked about their desire to get the group back together. And it was Vince McMahon's call to split them up. Earlier this year, there had been talk within WWE regarding the idea of having Carmelo Hayes in the group should they reform. But that was before Hayes won the NXT title at Stand and Deliver. There have been no updates since then. And they post on Instagram, MVP T's getting the group back together as he shared a photo of himself with Bobby Lashley and Shelton uh, Benjamin with the caption, hmm, I don't know, I don't know. Here's the one thing I do know, though, is that uh, Shelton Benjamin, Shelton Benjamin and his tag team partner was uh, Cedric Alexander. They were drafted together like a tag team, and they were really never on television, but they were drafted together, so, and then they were turned into free agents. So, who knows what's going on there. I wish I would have read that headline all the way through before talking about it today because we have talked about this till we're blue in the face. I don't know. Just pull the gun, pull the trigger and do it, or don't. And say you're not going to. Let's just have one final answer and stop playing around with these guys. Your thoughts? I share your sentiment, Kentucky guy. It's like either reunite the hurt business and put them back on TV, or don't reunite them. Stop teasing it month after month after month, only for us to not get a definitive answer. These guys are all talented, and they work well as a unit, but if you're just going to keep te- teasing it, and it's not going to happen, then what's the point? Right. And so my, my last headline, uh, it actually already happened. <laughs> so my last headline was, WWE has plans to introduce a new WWE Championship belt. <laughs> we seen that last night. Like I said, I love, I love the uh, the belt. It does say that it's supposed to it's supposed to resemble the presentation of it, like the Rock's WWE cha- Championship unveiling in 2013. I didn't see that last night. Maybe they changed plans, or maybe they weren't. Uh, the Usos interrupting was added to it. I don't know. But once again, I have to say, well, I haven't said this today, but Roman Reigns, Tribal Chief, congratulations. I don't care. Like him, hate him, love him. A thousand days as a champion in this day and time in this era is crazy. Never happens. And kudos to WWE for having his back and allowing a wrestler to do this. A lot of companies are too afraid, oh, we're going to lose money and this and that, to even try something like this. So kudos to the WWE for going along with this and definitely to Roman Reigns and the Bloodline for keeping those titles. Just amazing. A thousand days is just can't even wrap my brains around it. Great job. Uh, your thoughts on that, on those headlines, sir, on that headline? Yeah, I mean, whether you like the Tribal Chief or whether you don't like the Tribal Chief, thousand days is a long time to remain champion and they wouldn't have given him this title reign if um if they weren't getting a good response and if uh ticket sales weren't weren't there or um you know merchandise and everything i mean the crowd it's not like roman's coming out and the crowd is just like crapping all all over like each segment. The crowd is into these segments. They're into the storyline. They're into Roman Reigns as champion. Even if the crowd really wants to see him lose, we have seen so many different people come close to beating him but not succeeding. It just adds more and more drama every single time it happens. Now, all good things do eventually have to come to an end, but right now we just have no idea how that end is going to is going to happen and when it's going to happen. 
and who is going to be the one to knock Roman Reigns off the mountain? At this rate, Roman Reigns might make it to 2,000 days. We don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, I know, Mr. Cage, that you have one headline left. I'm going to ask you if it's okay to go ahead and save that headline for next episode uh, because we've got a uh, kind of a hard stop out of the out of the blue here that we've got to do. But do you have anything else for this episode, sir, besides that? You know, um, I, I, I don't think I do have uh, anything else for this episode, Kentucky guy. Um, the one thing I did want to mention is that I saw in just looking at the preview of Rampage last night that they had one of the matches on their card was going to be the New Japan TV champ, Zack Sabre Jr., who is considered one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, who competed at last year's AEW um, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Collision event. Um, he, or no, I'm sorry, not a Forbidden Door. I'm calling it Collision, uh, Forbidden Door. He had competed against uh, Cesaro, if you remember, Claudio Castagnoli. And they bring him in for a throwaway match on Rampage against Action Andretti. Oh, God. And no disrespect to Action Andretti. I know he's a young up-and-comer, but you've got the New Japan Pro Wrestling TV champ. He's held numerous titles in New Japan. He was involved in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic a couple years back. I mean, come on. If you're going to bring a guy in for a one-time appearance... Make him fight somebody uh, of uh, of that caliber. Uh, and Andretti is not an up and comer. I don't ever see this guy being any. Yeah, you're right. It's a it's a slap in the face not only to the wrestler but to the organization that he's from. And uh, you know, I, I thought it was a slap in the face letting Cesario go over on him at Forbidden That's when I said, "Oh, so." We're going to have these Forbidden Door matches, but whichever program is hosting it, basically, the other program is going to lose. The other wrestling organization, their guys got to lose. That's no, that's no good. You've got to split the wealth a little bit, and to have Cesario go over on them was just ridiculous. And him even being a part of this match, it's just I w- if I was him, I wouldn't come back. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fool with them. But uh, anything else, sir? Now that's it for me, Kentucky guy. All right. So, folks, you've been listening to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> With your co-hosts, the Kentucky guy and Donnie Cage. And as always, folks, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all. Thank you.